Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive, or if you think like one, and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Medcalf, founder of X-Quadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve extraordinary results. And no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. In this conversation, I speak with Rory McKean, who is the Chief Executive of TSG, one of the UK's leading IT companies. This is a really interesting conversation. Rory moved from Chief Operating Officer, already managing 80% of the business and 80% of the people, to Chief Executive. So he felt it was going to be a relatively small change in scope. In fact, he found it surprisingly big, and he's got some great lessons for anybody who's making that kind of jump. We also find out about how Rory would shift his focus. He's very honest about this if he was to redo that first year as chief executive. And then we get into some really fascinating territory. Rory is on a mission to change his industry and his company around the whole area of customer success. He's decided to focus less on sales, become less of a sales-centric company in order to focus on customer success, uh, referrals, and word of mouth. It's really interesting, right? Few chief executives would say, you know what, I need to focus less on sales. But it's what Rory has done, and actually performance has gone up. It's the kind of thing that you couldn't do if you build a spreadsheet. But there was a sense of vision here that's really paid off. So this is a great conversation. It's hopefully going to change your way of thinking around some of these areas as you listen to Rory McKeend of TSG. Hi, Rory, and welcome to the show. Brilliant. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this. You've, um, I think you've been in the chief executive role at TSG now for about a year. That's right. And so I'm looking forward to diving in into what that first year has been like. I think just before um, we started recording, you were saying it was a bigger leap perhaps than you first imagined when you made that transition from chief operating officer. So before we go into that, do you want to just introduce yourself? Um, What's TSG? And very simply, what was your path to coming into that business? Thanks, Richard. My name is Rory McKean. I'm a a chief executive at TSG. We're a a tech company uh, that takes customer success very seriously. We're a a customer success driven uh, company. We're a UK uh, Microsoft and managed services partner. Uh, We're about sort of 300 people in in, in the UK. Um, And um, my my journey to to being chief exec was one of joining the business uh, to help with uh, internal projects and then uh, a a transformation program uh, looking at some of the some of the basic processes tooling and and culture and that really evolved on quite a natural gradient to becoming chief operation officer uh, several years ago and um, you know the way that I led the team was some great great mentoring from the chief exec at the time uh, and I was very fortunate in terms of their timing and what, what they wanted you know for them to sort of step back and to allow me to become uh, chief exec uh, just at the beginning of this year. So let, let me just let me just drill into that because you kind of went over it. Oh yeah yeah I was chief operating officer and all the stars aligned <laughs> and I moved on. Um, 
what did you do? Because it's not every chief operating officer that gets to then step up um, mm. in a relatively short time frame to CEO. And I know obviously there was perhaps a succession going on and, and so forth. Mm. But what do you think, what was it that helped you perhaps secure that role where perhaps they could have looked for other candidates? What did they see in you? Yeah, it's a hard question. I think um, it, I think initially I thought it was about the delivery of, of quite challenging projects and um, turning around some of our, our service areas. Um, you know, so we went from, we're now Times Top 100 employer, we, we've got a, a world-class uh, net, net promoter score and these sorts of things. And, and th- though they are important, and yes, you know, some systems and processes and so on had really improved. I think it was really my maturing in that role and, you know, taking on other people's ideas and and sort of you know being seen as a, a sort of a visible leader in, in in the business and um i think really we're very big on i said customer success but also part of that is about the values and behaviors piece um i know lots of people say it doesn't just live on the wall but i think there's a lot you get through role modeling and i think um you know we, we went through you know, a number of challenging periods with those um transformation projects and um i think it was just the the maturity that I showed and that I had some good guidance, but it was the, you know, the maturity and, and, the, and the pace at which they, they were driven that, that made the difference. Yeah. It's making me think about, you know, I always like to say, you know, we don't get what we want. We get who we are. And yeah. there is, there's this part about, you know, you can kind of get all the tips and, and try to kind of manipulate the situation, but, you know, mm-hmm. fundamentally it's about what I think what we model in the day to day the, you know the day-to-day I don't know maturity or leadership or, or whatever it is that's going on that probably comes through I mean sometimes you can kind of um perhaps you know force some of the people some of the time or whatever and and, yeah. and find that shortcut but uh, I think it's really interesting that you just talked about yeah just about seeing you in action and doing things yeah I mean I think role modeling has been one of the biggest takeaways for me actually just just in general I think we you know, I'm mm. you know, an avid reader you know four or five management books a month and these sorts of things and there's so much you go into when you think about you know, written communication or perhaps a, an all an all team update but mm. for me it's it's, a, it's a little things you know it's it's the role modeling behavior it's it's the small things of yeah. you know if something on the floor are you going to pick it up when you're walking past or is it a you know if, if, if you see someone that, that needs some support you're going to reach out or just the simple things yeah. if you know just challenging someone in a in, in a in a supportive but 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 you know firm way if, if you see you know a, a, you know it's something that isn't quite right or do you leave that to someone else and I think it's that that kind of role modeling bit mm-hmm. um which um, I used to think was not as impactful really that's when I talk to people and say well you know what why do you behave in a certain way or what what are some of the cues that you get um most people can't tell me what I said in the last quarterly update but they can but they can tell me a particular behavioral thing that I did or something where I maybe nudged them uh, you know a couple of years ago which is it's interesting yeah 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 that's that's really interesting I think it's it's why well, I believe so much in role modeling. I mean, mm. I was talking to you earlier about my CEO community and, and that's kind of part of it because again, most CEOs, they don't have many peers closely around them to, again, to role model and get to the next level themselves, right? Yeah. Because often you only one CEO, right? By definition, almost uh, occasionally you find co-CEOs, but it's rare. Mm. And, and so uh, I think you're right. It's kind of caught rather than taught um as you said so so it's so, okay so you you got into the role about a year ago so what was the surprise what what did you discover you already been in the business you knew the business you I think you ran quite a large part of the business already as COO yeah. so what changed when you became CEO yeah so I think 
I think if you if you were to kind of draw it out and say, well, look, here's how much of the org chart that I had before in terms of the majority of it, or you know, here are the, the number of suppliers or customers that I was I was accountable for it. You know, in real terms, it was you know I was doing eighty percent of that role. I probably felt like something of a deputy anyway. So that step really for me beforehand, I felt very well prepared and I had good guidance and you know coaching and and, and so on. But um, I think it was the responsibility of of, of that leap. Um, in terms of how then people treated me af- afterwards or, or would look at me. Uh, and um, I think something around just the the expectation of that role in that, you know, in chief operating officer, you've got a, a lot of, you know, a, a breadth and complexity in that role. Um, but ultimately, you still have a clarity of, of, of what your contribution is. Uh, and, and when you think about the 360 degrees of, of your business, being accountable for all of it um, is, uh, you know, th- there's, a, there's a pressure that comes with that. And it's not the expectation of, you know, it's not that there wasn't pressure in prior roles. You know, I think being a chief operating officer during the pandemic was pretty challenging. It was like a cup final for, you know, in terms of a, a business. But um, I think what was interesting was that sort of imposter syndrome to go, well, hang on, you know, am I, am I the right guy? I mean, it felt like I was the right guy in terms of transformation and bit, bits that we did. But then, you know, you can't help but be your own internal critic, as, as, as you said. And, and a real confidence piece around, you know, what should I focus on? And what's interesting about some of the chief operating officer piece is that you can put some of that on rails. So, you know, continuous service improvement is fine. But when, you're, when, the, when the balance moves from mainly customers uh, to a byproduct of giving shareholders what they want, to then those shareholders being your, your you know, one of your main, um, uh, one of the Citroen, main, people. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a different view. So, you know, it's it's some of those pressures and keeping in a light. So for me, there's a really big alignment thing. Of like if I can get you know people, customer, and 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 stakeholders in in in, in a line, that 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 really sort of helps in terms of clarity. Uh, whereas I felt that perhaps where I, where I needed to focus weren't necessarily in, in the right places. So I think, mm. it's, I think as a year, if I, could, if I could have a do-over, I think I'd be much closer on, on, on particular key metrics and worry more about role modeling than perhaps you know, around uh, giving that kind of forward view and where we're going. So I think, um, I think some of it's just around, around clarity of, of what, what the expectation in the role is and, and, and where to spend your time, which sounds like a really s- s- simple thing. Um, but it's something about, you know, you really are a, you know, a, you know, very, you have a lot of freedom within the, within the chief exact role. So you can choose where to spend your time. And it's, but also with that, it's, it's then around, there's a real, uh, piece around, well, am I spending that time effectively in a different way than perhaps is, is yeah. I think it's more obvious in prior roles. Yeah. Did, did I catch you right? Did you say that you'd spend more time on role modeling and you, you, talk, you said about being closer on key metrics? Did you mean yeah. focus in more on those key metrics? Yeah, so so effectively, you know, I did very well at the chief operation officer role by being really key on only you know two or three metrics really around right. you know you know you know customers, some of the KPI elements, but even ones that were rolled up into mm. you know in having real clarity of you know I could see where I needed to do dip checks in the organisation to say look you know do I think this particular project is mm. going as well as I'd expect or is this service right. area you know, you know this new manager do I think they're panning out as I expected them to and I could almost sort of forecast where I'd expect the business to be in a quarter's time right. and um, I think what was interesting is that I, sh- I should have just taken that same learning and apply it across the rest of the business whereas I think I, I, I didn't do that I think I, I got into a, uh, into a position of well actually I'm in a, a more of a vision role rather than a, an integrator role if that makes sense um and so i think if i was to play my time again and where i've now gotten to at the back end of this mm. year is is just being closer on a few of those key metrics and and doing more of that dip checking mm. um just to just to make sure that I, I'm, I'm closer to the business mm. 
but equally not wanting to be a micromanager as well, which is quite hard. Uh, the way I heard it expressed actually the day was, um, you know, fingers out, nose in, which I always thought was a, a nice way of putting it, you know. Fingers out, nose yeah. in, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sort of, you know, not not kind of, um, you know, not, not kind of interfering, but at the same time, making sure you've got enough of a sense of what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I call it, I call it the uh, transparency bargain, yeah. which is um, eyes on, hands off. In other words, you ask your yeah. team, like, I need to, I need to be able to feel confident that I understand what's going on because I have yeah. people I'm, I'm accountable to and I need to be able to give a, a reason to play. But, mm. um, but, in, but I, I promise not to then intervene in the individual operational decisions mm. that, you're, mm. that are properly your responsibility. And the danger <clears throat> you know, is, is that when we have visibility, we suddenly feel that we can now make all the decisions. But in reality, we don't have all the, all the data. But um, I think it's the difference between the Navy and the Army. Yeah. Um, historically, um, read it in a book somewhere, you know, the, 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 the um, admirals had a lot more autonomy to make decisions in the name of the king or the emperor because they were around yeah. the world on a boat, right? Yeah. You couldn't get in touch with them. Whereas the military generals had to like, send a horse back every night um, to get to report on the day's battle and they get a mm. horse back the following morning with their instructions. Mm. And so they're getting kind of micromanaged because it was, it was easier to create this visibility chain. Yeah, no, I love that analogy because I often think about that when you're writing, you know, strategy for over the next few years or when you're talking about a new department or new service. It is almost like writing that charter for them to say, look, if you're halfway around the world and we can't communicate, effectively you need to be able to make decisions and you've got to have the right context to be able to do that rather than, as you say, keep getting incremental commands. That's uh, that's a nice way of putting it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, okay, so so we talked about this kind of being focus on the key metrics so that you can get mm. the pulse of the business, done the yep. role modeling. I mean, you talked a bit about the stakeholders. I mean, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, I think that's one of the big differences. CEO, there's all these extra mm. stakeholders perhaps you didn't realize, and yeah. they're not always in alignment and they, they can almost never be in alignment sometimes. You have mm. to manage the tensions um, yeah. perhaps. And I think and talking to a few other, other peers who've mm. gone through something similar, actually, there's a real motivational slump, I think, which is odd because you almost feel that, because you know, for me, there was, it was, it was apparent to the business that for at least six months, this was going to happen. Uh, mm. You know, it was you know, probably, you know, I knew it was going to happen slightly earlier than that, but, but ultimately, you know, yeah. it, it should have been a point of real elation to say, wow, you know, we'll find fantastic, you know, brilliant, you know, uh, you know, you know, it's a great, great, great achievement, a real pride in terms of, you know, leading a business, but, you know, sometimes it's much easier to be motivated when you're aligned to customers or people that it is mm. to be aligned to, uh, you know, to shareholders, which, you know, shareholders are really important, you know, the fuel, fuel for the business, but it, you know, it's easier to get out of bed to go, to go support your people or to go and support, uh, you know, a customer than perhaps. And it's, and it's having that, having that alignment really. And I think um, mm. that sort of motivational piece is, is an interesting one where I've heard from a few few people where they've, whether it's imposter syndrome or whether it's just mm. just adjusting to the new role, where what should be a real point of, of elation is actually one of, uh, you know, still finding your feet and uncertainty and actually can be a, yeah. real, a real slump and it's something you've got to, you know, f- f- find your way through. Yeah. That reminds me of Jeff Bezos who, who said, when, um, it's when I think long-term that the interests of customers and shareholders align. Mm. Uh, this is a great thing. It's like if I'm managing for the long term, mm. there is no conflict. No. Right? no it's pretty... Happy customers make happy shareholders. Um no, definitely. I think and that's definitely where I think I've, I've now gotten to, which is you know, because because we're a tech business, sometimes it can feel there's a real complexity and and in things like the pandemic as an example, you know, we had to react very quickly with, with customers and that led to 
I think everybody went from having long-term focuses to being very short-term for, for a period, but actually now you know, coming out from that and planning over, over the next few years has really, really helped create that alignment. And um, as I sort of mentioned, we're, 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 we're really passionate about customer success. Uh, and so that, and that, that has really helped create that alignment between, you know, the, the metrics of that, that creates is great for shareholders, you know, it creates people who want to be part of the business from an employee perspective and, and is really hanging on to customers as well. So that actually customer success is, is really that linchpin for us, as you say, over the medium to long term. It's Richard here with a quick interlude. As part of my coaching and advisory work, I often work with leaders who have recently taken on the CEO role. It's a big leap from the comfort zone of functional leadership or business unit management. And it opens up a whole new set of stakeholders, pressures, decisions, and responsibilities. I found that there are three key things that will make a huge difference in those first quarters. Number one, balancing the operational and the strategic, what I call CEO focus. Number two, establishing credibility, what I call CEO presence. And number three, managing stakeholders, those CEO conversations. I've written a short email series that goes into more detail on the transition to CEO and how you can practically sharpen your CEO focus, solidify your CEO presence and master your CEO conversations. It's insightful. And it's entirely free of charge. And you can register for it by going to xquadrant.com forward slash go forward slash curve. Now, back to the conversation. Yeah, so, so to talk about this, customer success, I, you know, you said it a lot. You, you, mm. you, it's definitely something which is core to you. Um, you know, doesn't every, A, doesn't everyone say, you know, we want our customers to be successful? Uh, and, and, and B, you know, what does it mean for you? Like, what are you trying to do when you talk about customer success? Like you said it in the very first sentence, I think, of this yeah. discussion. Why is TSD different in this area? Well, so traditionally, and I'm, I'm painting with a very broad, broad brush, brush but in, um, in sort of the tech businesses that, that sit around us very much, and, and as TSG was uh, several years ago, was very much a sales first organization. So it was very much about, you know, engaging uh, with people who knew what they wanted and then being able to provide exactly what they asked for. But the complexity of, 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 what's, of what's available to you now, you really need someone to work with you and do, and do some horizon scanning with you. And so that, that's basically built, Therefore, you have to trust somebody. So, so on that basis, if the person that's giving you advice on where to go is, you know, highly incentivized for you to buy the most expensive thing, that's quite hard in terms of how, how, how do you how do you kind of square that? And and I think in most cases you have to rely on the best judgment of salespeople to find that balance. Whereas what, what we're trying to do is is to say, well, actually, let's just not have that balance. Let's have a, a trusted advisor, somebody who is is not financially motivated. Um, you know, they're motivated on the customer and what they're trying to achieve, and they can pull on the, the, the right sort of knowledge and experts around them. Um, and in some ways it works because in a tech business, um, it, it's you know, many of the things that you buy are consumable or it's all about optimization of a platform or a, you know either from a pricing or a, you know if you're trying to achieve achieve a goal and so in some ways I'm very fortunate in the industry that I'm in because it allows you know if if you if you are a trusted advisor and you work with a customer on what's important to them and you have the scale and the resources 
you know, you're going to be a bit of a Swiss army knife in terms of, you know, do you have all the, the all the expertise that they might need? Well, if you have that, well, then you don't really need to sell. Uh, you, you just need to be a, a trusted advisor, as I say. But it's a huge leap of faith because you, you go from what's a fairly consistent sales performance to saying, well, I can't guarantee what's going to come in. It's going to come in at the right time for the customer rather than the right time for me. So that's an interesting leap where you start to say, well, what does that look like? And um, I was mad. How did you set it to the board? Well, we we you know, did the typical thing. You know, we we, we had an away day. Um, you know, and I was so fortunate. My, my you know, chief exec at the time, now our chairman, just is really bought in on it. And I think we're both passionate about, about customer success and doing this differently and changing the industry, not just, you know, not, not just the um the, the the commercial return but we you know, just as you said that that bezos quotes you're perfect in that we looked at it what would this look like in three years time so what are the advantages of going down this model and what are the what are the risks so some of the risks are clearly that you know you're not going to get the big inputs you're more like you know big big one-off sales you're more likely to have um you know consistent sort of you know recurring or smaller bite-sized pieces mm. coming through but then when you think of oh sorry in my industry anyway some of the big complex projects you know these vanity projects from a customer and you know when we win it uh, the issue is, is is high risk for both sides so mm. by sort of de-risking um many of the projects that, that we're doing but also you know our, from a retention perspective and I'm, I'm happy to say that we're now in the second year um you know, we're now seeing you know, attrition of customers has been halved. So that's, uh, you know, having you know, high retention rates mm-hmm. is, you know, so much yeah, that helps on so many different levels in terms of efficiency, uh, you know, your reputation referrals you get from those, from those same customers and um, helps you find other like-minded um, like-minded customers as well. So it's, it's, it was very much a long-term plan. So saying, you know, showing that, we don't want to have that leaky bucket syndrome of, of you know, great sales performance, but then losing, you know, 20% of that every year. It's just, it, and, and it, what's interesting, actually, so we're, we're sort of big, not in terms of employee engagement. We, we, we use um, Be Heard survey as a good sort of national indicator around engagement of our staff and so on. And there's been a real halo effect around customer success and pride that people are taking in their roles and giving that extra discretionary effort and that helps in lots of other aspects so you know in, in you know if you just look in brutal sort of sales terms you know our conversion rate has has gone up by about 20 percent um mm. since following the customer success model our sales uh, initially were, were, were slower although we started in the pandemic so to some degree if you're going to kitchen sink it, it was the time to do it right um yeah. but year on year if we look back on the prior year you know we, we've gone up to between 10 and 10 to 30 percent growth in in key verticals so it's um we're not there yet so we've got Customer success working in, in 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 patches, and we've got a great customer success success team. The bit when we will have won is when we have a a full everyone in the business is 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 engaged not just in what we need, but in a in, in the customer success uh, approach. Yeah. So, um, I mean, one of the things. So I'm, I'm talking for quite a while, but one of the things that um, I think about is is when you think of uh, there's a book done by, uh, put together by Charles H. Green around being a trusted advisor that, that I really like. There's a, a trust equation within that, and that's something that we we used to give to consultants in the business to go out when they were talking to customers, and now we're giving it to like our credit control team or uh, you know guys who are in what maybe were more sort of transactional roles and saying, look, how can you become a trusted advisor with our customers? And um, yeah. what's great is is you know, really seeing not everyone, but for the most part, we're seeing real engagement and those people are getting more from their roles because we're allowing them uh, more empowerment beyond the transactional. 
this reminds me of, I think it's the theory of preeminence. I think mm. it's by Jay Abraham or Abrams, I think. Um, and it basically, it's basically very similar. I mean, it's, it's the trust, it's trusted advisor, but the way he describes it, I think it's a great example where it's like the barman who refuses to give you another drink, yeah. Yeah. you know, because actually for your highest good, you know, now is the time that you need that mm. glass of water, you know, or whatever. And, and it's kind of not just saying my job is to sell the person the next, mm. the next, drink but actually to optimize their overall you know to have their their best interests at heart even more than their own which is a really interesting way of looking at it and it's great that you're scaling it out across the whole team but well, you know that, that that refusing drink is actually a really good proof point i'll be honest that was one of the points where uh, it was really so we had we had a we had a particular very complex pitch that our team decided to to walk away from at the tender point with a with a potential customer what was really interesting that customer then came back and then said oh we understand you're you know you're, you're good at this other bit of technology uh you know is this something you could do and we said yeah no we, we feel very comfortable we, we could absolutely deliver that for you and uh, we, they didn't even tender it they just went right brilliant it's yours can you work on that for us mm. and and there is that this trusted advisor piece it's it's you know you, you need to trust your technology partner ultimately so if when we when we get it right it it, it is quite powerful and we're, we're now in the second year effect so I'm, what's going to be interesting is is as i hope it will this is sort of this sort of virtuous circle that we're following where this impact will then start start to flow but um this year alone we've seen that you know a, a quarter of our new customers have come from referral of existing customers and and next year we're expecting that to be about half of our new customers and you know we bear in mind we have a, a, about a thousand customers in total you know, we, you know we, we probably find 50 to 100 new customers um mm. you know you know in, in a year so if, if we then find that half of our new business isn't through you know marketing and, and other aspects but actually customers referring you it's it's so powerful um not only because you then find like-minded customers, but it's it's a great it's a great seal of endorsement. If someone recommends you in that way, yeah. you know that you know, you're, I mean, I think our, our win rate is something like 90 percent of of the introductions we we get. So it's mm. it's um it, it's great. It um what we just need to be careful is not not reaching a complacency. So what got us here was a real fear of the risk of moving from a sales to customer success model and and really being focused on those sort of key metrics and engagement. And, and yeah. it's just about making sure that we now move, move that the next step, which is beyond engagement to real, to really understanding, well, what, what is success for that customer and have we actually attained it for them? Um, which is, which is quite, um, which is the next step really, which is that risk and reward bit to say, well, look, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to share that risk and reward with you, mm. which is a very different model. Yeah. When you need trust on both sides to make that happen. Yeah. yeah. Hey, this is a fascinating conversation. Robert. Let's move on and, and move on to our quick fire questions. Sure. Um, and um, as, as we kind of starting to think about the, uh, the end uh, in sight, um, favorite quote, what's a quote that's kind of shaped your, your leadership or your approach to your job? Yeah, I mean, I think um, it, it might not sound directly relevant, but I, I really like the, the, the Roosevelt quote about comparison being the thief, thief of joy. Um, there's so many people I meet in terms of their career journeys or, or, pieces outside where they they they're always comparing themselves to somebody else and they just they really did, you know rather than just experiencing their life and enjoying it for what it is yeah uh, keep 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 comparing themselves yeah yeah uh, so, yeah yeah wise wise words um yeah it can be so easy to look over our shoulder and it's mm-hmm. i'd like say you know we're all climbing our own particular mountain in our own way and you know we have to you always have to forge that path right and that's why you can't always take you can't copy and paste other people's strategies you always have Absolutely. to work them through for you what's the favorite app on your phone that makes you more productive or more informed or whatever it is you know what it is 
Uh, that's a really hard question because you think as a tech person, I'd have lots of apps, but I, I really try and not use apps. I try and really switch off as much as possible. But I've got one of these um, you. Uh, so tablet devices are a remarkable device which is a mm-hmm. sort of a writing tablet and using that for journaling and really switching off because one of the few devices that doesn't beep at me or send a notification or it isn't designed specifically for infinite scroll so it's a great so really the app that i like is the one that doesn't harass me but just let, lets me control the the, the user interaction yeah. yeah 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 fascinating yeah i, I agree it's, it's so easy one of the things first thing i almost insist on my clients do is make sure their notifications are switched off because yeah. uh um it's impossible to do any deep work when you have um but it's true isn't it i mean especially time. especially think of it now you know you've got presence and instant you know uh, you know instant messaging email and and you know multiple ways of phoning you uh you know it's with yeah. soft clients as well as mobiles and so on it's as you say that concentration yeah. time really important yeah yeah what's the book you know you said you're a heavy reader what's the book that's really influenced you you know what's one of your favorites yeah, and I know I know it's a bit old now, and, and maybe it's not Vogue, but I, I still really like uh, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits. You know, that was yeah. really formative for me when I was younger, and it's a, I always say it's like an atheist's uh, biz, business book. You know, it's a really good way of saying there are no short shortcuts. Uh, you know, there is no uh, there is no hack for life. It's yeah. hard work and do the right thing, which is not really what you want to hear, but it's quite nice to sort of have it the way that it sort of puts it at you to say, you know, just do the right thing. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a foundational reading right, for yeah. pretty much anyone. Yeah. What advice would you give new CEOs or perhaps what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? probably two different things i think that the, the the 20 year old uh would be yeah you know just just stay relaxed i had, I had, a, I had this view that i didn't have a career plan i always like to you know maximize the opportunities that, that were put in front of me but you know just to stay relaxed and just be focused on the role that i'm currently doing and just to i would just reinforce that i think it's uh, sometimes we can get too head up in well where is this going to take me but, but actually opportunities present themselves if you if you if, if you you know just focus yeah. on what you're doing but leave yourself open um i'd say to a 20 year old and as a new chief exec, I, th- I think um, just make sure you've got it before you step into that role, if you can, is you know, go find the, go find a mentor. You know, really, I mean, you talked about peer groups. Uh, you know, I'm part of a peer group. I just think it's so important. It's, it is a, and it's often quoted as a lonely role, but, but it is for good reason. You know, you, you, you need to keep counsel with others and, and have the ability to, uh, you know, you, you know, be open and, and, and you know, be able to, to get outside thoughts. So you know, a mentor peer group, massively important, uh, as well as, you know, the friendship group outside of that, you know, it's you know, that that's, uh, you know, make sure you've got the people who keep your feet on the ground. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think um, assembling a whole, and it's almost a whole team, you know, of different people, yeah. mentors, uh, advisors, the, your peers, mm-hmm. um, because um, they're all going to stretch you and stretch your thinking and often that's the thing one thing that you might not get enough of because there's so many operational that's absolutely key you know that 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 advisor bit because suddenly weirdly when you make that step and then everyone looks at you and says well what do you think about my strategy or my approach and you you suddenly now need to be an expert on things that you're not an expert in and clearly yes you can coach and 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 work Mm. through but having an outside advisor on on areas where you're not you're not a skilled at where you can just check things off with is Mm. is yeah i've I've only really started to assemble that more recently and that that, that's Mm. that's really helpful in terms of to give you uh you know you you don't double guess decision you know second guess decisions and that sort of thing if you've got the outside advisors yeah yeah absolutely so um, many of the best guests on our show come from referrals. So I'm always curious to know, you know, is there an inspiring CEO who's made a difference in your life, you know, who you think would be, you know, who you admire, you know, who would be a good guest? Is, who comes to mind when you think of people who have inspired you on your journey? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, I've had um, you know, David, who a guy called David Stonehouse, is a, who's, who's my chairman now and, and a mentor. He's a he's got a very broad set of experience. He's been you know, instrumental for me in terms of you know, my, my, my sort of growth. Um, there's a guy that I've been working with as part of a peer group of chief exec with a guy called uh, I haven't spoken to him about this, but uh, uh, guy called Richard Rankin. I, I really rate. Uh, he's a the chief exec of H and H Group um, over in the northwest of England. And just he's got such clarity. You know, speaks brilliantly. Just a really you know, just a no, no BS, but very thoughtful and emotionally intelligent guy. Really, really interested. I always listen when he speaks. Mm. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's always fascinating to find out, you know, what mm. is it about other people that mm. that inspire and, and, and that resonate with you, right? Because I suspect that you've also got that in you. I love asking the question because when people say, oh, yeah, you know, no bullshit, <laughs> I put it to you that you are no bullshit person as well, because it's, it's within you. That's why it resonates. Yeah, and, and I, I just think sometimes you can spend so much time positioning, and and all, it's just better to. That, yes, there are things, some things you have to keep in in counsel, absolutely, but most things you can just be open and honest, and it, it tends to work work best. You know, most people want to know what the truth is, even if it's uncomfortable yeah. or or challenging. It's it's better to go there early uh, rather than create shocks later. So it's always served. Yeah, but maybe I'm a bit of a blunt instrument at times, but I do like I do like to be you know, spade as a spade. Yeah. So. Finally, no matter how much we've achieved, there's always a next level to get to. So where does, where's TSG going as a business? And, and I guess you've kind of talked about that in the sense of really rolling out this customer experience uh, yeah. uh, model across the whole company. But as that happens, what are you going to need to do differently to multiply your own impact as a CEO? Yeah, no, it's a good, really good question. So, so, so we've got quite an ambitious plan to, you know, over, the ne- over the next few years, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be looking to sort of, you know, double the, the main metrics around, you know, uh, you know, turnover, profitability, headcount, and so on. But we're um, we're really really looking at um, partnerships as, as the key. So, you know, I'd like you know, we, we are aiming for five hundred partnerships, which is sort of an evolution of moving from, you know, you know customer experience to the net promoter piece to now uh, partnership, which is the hardest stat I can find in terms of a bar to hit. Yeah. So as part of that, really, for me, it's about assembling the right management team, which I'm you know, most of the way there on. Uh, and and for me, it's, it's actually about more of my role is going to be about becoming an advocate for customer success, becoming more of an advocate about our capabilities. So, you know, being a, you know, I'm, I'm not a big person into P, you know, PR and, and that sort of, that sort of element. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, it's going to be more about showcasing the business uh, and, and speaking more openly about what it is we're doing and, and, and why we're a bit different. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. I, lo- I just love these, this, uh, this focus you have of customer success and actually in calling them, you know, partnerships, right. And actually yeah. making sure that you have long-term mm-hmm. relationships. I said, you know, I said with, to you earlier, um, one of my own metrics I realized in our conversation actually is that you know, I don't count a customer as being successful, you know, unless I've, have repeat business with that customer because then I know that they're putting their money where their mouth is that it wasn't they didn't just get you know persuaded by me on one conversation or something of you know a year ago and now regret their choice but they're kind of actually long-term engagement and for me that's meant to be the most rewarding part of of the business is when I, is when I realize that that's a very very high percentage of of, of what I do uh, so I, I think it's fantastic that you're trying to do that at scale right and create that loyalty yeah. and, and, and and intimacy and, and yeah and serving and service and that's it actually, I think you've, you've probably hit on it better there which is I think our biggest challenge is to do, do it at scale so I can see it happening in patches and I can see it mm. but it's having that you know does every every existing customer do they see us in partnership do they have trusted advisors you know, do they genuinely feel that what I'm talking through does that does that yeah. lead through the whole organization? And it's bloody hard, isn't it? I mean, ultimately, it's much easier to, you know, to give an output to somebody than an outcome, yeah. right? I mean, it's much yeah. easier. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 
Fantastic. So finally, if people are curious, they want to know more, how do they get in touch? Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm on, on LinkedIn, so more than happy. Uh, you know, I'm pretty good at replying on there. Obviously, uh, from a from a uh, from a in terms of a, a TSG business, then you know, TSG.com is, is our main website. Uh, I'm more than happy to speak to anyone around our, our journey on customer success, particularly, but but also just around employee engagement and and, and the bits that have driven that. Yeah. That's fantastic, Rory. It's been a fantastic conversation. You know, I've loved. You know, thank you for being honest about the imposter syndrome. Yeah, and, sure. You know, um, around uh, the shift and what surprised you as, as you went in, the expectations on you, and then I think it's whole question about fixing the leaky bucket syndrome mm. uh, and really being in service of your customers. It's inspiring, and I think it's fantastic that you've been bold right and you've said that we're going to put that first rather than build some kind of technical business that works you know on the front end but actually uh is not giving customers the best experience when you scratch the surface so thank you for you know working on the foundations right and really focusing on impact Uh, it's been a fantastic conversation oh brilliant thanks for having me richard many thanks and stay in touch i hope you enjoyed this conversation now let's talk about you When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching, and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.